0: What's going on, everybody? Man, it's Big Game James in here. We're with my dog, DDP. And this is our fifth episode of Positively Relentless. And guess what? The the Mavericks DDP was positively relentless in getting that victory uh, and keeping the series alive. And we're going to talk some Cowboys football like we always do. And my dog, DDP, is going to give me the sixth shooter of rapid-fire questions and we talk about in deep into Cowboys football. But before anything else, let's jump in. Let's talk about these Mavericks, DDP. We <sighs> snuck a victory out there. I'm going to say sneak because I kind of feel like they may kind of let us get it. I Maybe yeah. just this me. Uh, but we got one out of there. It's one game at a time. Uh, history is against us right now. But, hey, you never know. Uh, so talk to me about this game and how we kind of, you know, we got one out of here.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a game they obviously had to have. You're down 3-0. No team has ever come back from down zero three in a series. I think it's like a hundred forty six or zero in a hundred forty six teams trailing uh, zero games to three in a seven game series. So not the best odds there. But you know, it's one of those things too. It's a shame because if they don't blow a nineteen point lead in game two, this series is tied two two now. It's right. complete stalemate at this. Point you're sitting there thinking like okay great now we're going back to golden state where we would have already won one game we have every reason to have confidence and to feel like we can again instead we kind of have this feeling of like oh man all right well we we held them off for a little and like that's not really adequate for what you're wanting so yeah they built up the big lead here they finally came through and were knocking down shots when they needed them Game three, it unfortunately really wasn't there. They looked like a team out of gas. I kind of felt like game four was just about their pride. You know, they Mm -hmm. they build up a 29-point lead going into the fourth quarter, and yet they have to bring back the starters because they blow all but eight of those points. They have to bring back Luka and the guys. So instead of Luka playing like barely 30 minutes, you know, he has to go more like 35 minutes just to kind of hold the thing together. It, It really speaks in a negative way towards the team's depth. So I do think they are going to run out of gas, but yeah, it's, I'm glad they showed fight and heart a a sweep would have sucked, but you know, I I don't know how much fuel they have left in the tank to really bat the war at this point.
0: I mean, yeah, let's be honest, DDP. Uh, You know, just what you said to me, from my perspective, it just felt like, you know, pride, um, you don't have anything to lose now. You're down 0-3. You're at home still. You got, this is a dig deep. And I feel like Luka wasn't going to disallow the team to get swept. I feel like, you know, he, he has that competitive nature. And also, I just feel like, you know, with everything that's kind of been going on, I feel like Golden State has kind of left off the gas. They felt like, I feel like they got comfortable. We're up 3-0. We feel like we can go back to Golden State. And I feel like they're kind of confident right now. feeling like they can win the series. So I just feel like it was one of those games where you see in a series like, okay, you got that one, uh, we'll see. Um, if you can get this next one because that's when the real series to me is really going on not really necessarily this game you got the game to stave off the elimination Mm -hmm. but now it's really the one game at a time and you're really going to have to do something you like you said has not really been done before and you're going to go and stay where the odds against where you haven't played the greatest besides when you had the 19 point lead so yeah um, we'll see kind of what happens but um, you know, kind of what's your thoughts about heading back to Golden State and, uh, you know, what kind of matchups are you looking at and what do you think we can really do uh, to steal a game out of there?
1: I think it's huge to try and keep Jordan Poole in check. He's really been – I mean, Wiggins has had a great series too, but Poole has really been, I think, the extra thing Dallas just hasn't had much of an answer for. Um, I mean, the thing is, like, you got to get something out of your role player. Most notably, you got to get something out of Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith. They both came up with huge games – Last night, and Luca even said after the game, like, Yeah, when they're hitting, we're, we're as good as anybody. So, I got a mm-hmm. several things to throw at you here with this. So, mm-hmm. this is Luca in elimination games in his career, uh, dating back two seasons ago, the first time around with the Clippers 38, 9, and 9 against Kawhi and Paul George, 46, 7, and 14, Kawhi and Paul George, 33, 11, and 8 against Phoenix this year, 35, 10, and 4 against Phoenix this year. And then 34, 14, and 9 last night. So that's Kawhi and Paul George for the first two. That's the one seed then for the two Phoenix matchups. And that's the Warriors' number one defense. That's Luka in elimination games. We're talking about a dude that's averaging in elimination games like 36.8 points, something like that. Like, it's obscene. It's the all-time highest mark in NBA history for uh, average in an elimination game. So Luka's going to get his. He's going to... Put the team on his back, but it's not just about him because the other trend that has gone on for a while is Luca has four straight games in which he's had 40, not four straight games, but four straight games in which he's gone for 40 points that his team has lost in the postseason, which ties a mark dating back to Rick Barry in like the 1967 season, something like that. I mean, it's just something that doesn't happen. It's just. Not having enough balance of that workload, so Luca can shoulder the weight, he can go drop 42, 46, whatever. But if he doesn't have that team around him, he's going to have to do too much, and they're not going to have the firepower they need. Uh, in in that as well, in the game last night, it was Luca's 17th career 30-point playoff performance, and that let's see, that makes him break a. Uh, oh, So for a player 23 years or younger, that ties him with Durant and Kuby for the most all-time for a player 23 or younger. The only guy ahead of him at that point would be LeBron. He had, I think, 21 games like that. So that's pretty impressive. For a single postseason run here, Luka now has—he um, broke a tie with dirt for most 40-point games in his career with mm-hmm. eight— that was two games ago. That's something he's done in 27 playoff appearances compared to 145 games for Dirk. <laughs> uh, and Crazy. Yeah, and he has the most 30-point double-doubles in a single playoff series for the Mavericks. Dirk, he had been tied with Dirk, and Dirk's six was from the 2003 Western Conference Finals run. Luka is the only guard on that such list since Michael Jordan. 1980. So hmm. yeah, he's going to he's going to do his thing. He's going to put up numbers and he's going to find ways to work. You know, another thing that came out yesterday was he makes the All NBA first team for the third consecutive year, third time in four years. NBA career, Dirk had three of those, I think, ever. He's done it three and four. I think it's it's and
0: it's, Dirk had better players.
1: Yeah, I mean that's not to say that Dirk always had all the help he needs, but Dirk right. had a. Yeah, team. Yeah. And and I think Luca has helped elevate a lot of these guys now. I I think it's a it's a nice squad, but it's a squad that as we'll get into later, I I think is still missing a true number two. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what's kind of holding them back at this point. It's it's Luca a megastar almost, with a lot of guys that are kind of like good number three options and then just bit parts around that. It doesn't really have that true tried and true number two guy. So would you
0: would I didn't mean to cut you off. Would Thanks. you say it has that vibe of the Philadelphia 76ers, that 2001 team where Iverson put everybody, mm-hmm. it was just Iverson and everybody else. Does it get that kind of feel? Because in my heart, it kind of gets that feel, in my opinion, that, you know, Luca was just so good. It yeah. was just so good that it, it, it was just – when Iverson was having that crazy run in that year of 2001. I mean, he had Matt Geiger, Matombo, Aaron McKee, um, but Eric Snow. But they were playing their roles perfectly because they were vibing off of him and it just it's just giving me that that Luca's just really just put his um uh, everybody uh, the team on his back uh but you know just bouncing off we you uh there has to be that second option somehow somewhere mm-hmm. uh just to kind of balance the whole team out as a whole
1: yeah no absolutely and you know iverson was one of the purest scorers in nba history luca i mean he, he's He's a great scorer, but he really is a creator first. I mean, I don't know mm-hmm. how many I don't know how many would be assists he has like average per game, but it feels like he could easily have like 20 assists a game if some of these guys are knocking out shots cuz the last two seasons he's been number one creator of quality shots for his team. Like there's an metric for think JJ metric um the other day when he was on one of those shows he's been doing the circuit and pretty much telling Mm -hmm. these guys off on their own shows. Right. But, uh, he, he mentioned something like that when they, I think it was Kellerman tried to say, basically Luca's not Larry bird or magic. So they need to stop with those comparisons and Reddick's like, Mm -hmm. how many hall of famers those guys play with? Luca's playing with second round picks and undrafted guys, like no disrespect to them. But, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as the shot quality, he helps create he's number one in the last two seasons. So yeah, I think Luca, he sets guys up, but I do think there is, ceiling that this team has actually pushed past, I did not. I like I, I would have said this team has exceeded at this ceiling. So you don't know how much further they can exceed, that, but that does feel like where this team is at right now. So I don't know if they get any more games. Like I don't know if they're able to bring it back to Dallas. Tend to lean toward no, but it's already, I would say, in every conceivable level I could have imagined a successful season.
0: Yeah, by far been a very successful season. So when you walk away from this, like Jason Kidd said, nobody thought we were going to be here. Nobody predicted us to be here. Uh, so we already have things to build on for next year. Uh, but, you know, we don't want to look at it that aspect. But, you know, just, you know, just keeping it real. I, I'm with agreements with you. I'm hoping. Um, that, the you know, the boys can go in there and, uh, you know, still want to Golden to state. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my, my 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 mind, my basketball mind and my thoughts are saying I haven't seen it They're They're playing well. Um, Andrew Wiggins especially has really helped them in this playoff series. Yep. I think he's their second leading scorer at 18 points a game. Yep. Um, and I think he's really been the X factor really in this series uh, when I really look at it to me.
1: I I think so. Um, And, you know, Wiggins, I I mentioned Poole earlier. Like, I think Wiggins, with how he fits on that team and everything and the kind of run he's been on, I honestly think Dallas was willing to live with that, with roughly that production from him. Now, he has given them a little bit more problems defensively than I think they anticipated, but I, I think they were willing to live with him scoring around that clip. It's Poole that is just what's breaking the back. Like, yep. you have this guy that's, what is he, a rookie or a second-year player? Like
0: Second-year player. Yeah,
1: and he is just murdering them. Like, he's a dude that was in the D League a year ago uh, mm-hmm. and it is just killing them. So, last game, he wasn't a huge factor, and I, I think that's not shocking to look at it. And when you look at Game 2, when they built the big lead there on the road, it was the same thing. But Dallas has won in... In the postseason, on the road, they closed out Utah in Utah. They beat them two out of three games, and the one they lost, they gave away at the final minute. You remember that? Like mm-hmm, they sh- they mm-hmm. should have swept basically in Utah, but they didn't. Um, then they closed out the Suns in that just laffer of a game seven, on the road. So they're capable of winning on the road, but if you look at like the total like miles run uh, for these guys, it's ridiculous. Like Reggie Bullock just set a record. Um, in last night's game he had six threes in the game huge game for him he has now for this single postseason run with the Mavericks 50 made three points which is the most in franchise history for a single postseason like that's incredible he Mm -hmm. had I mean he was their big signing and people kind of like rolled their eyes I even kind of said like yeah okay he's nice but like if you're telling me this is your premium pickup that's nothing or that's that's not near enough and he struggled early on to start the year, but man, oh man, has he been... He's had a couple clunkers of a game of games in the postseason run, including this series. But man, oh man, he's had some brilliant games. Like One of those games, that game two, he stayed in Golden State. He had 21 mm-hmm. points in that game. Mm-hmm. And like seven threes in that game. He had six threes last night. Like The dude, for how much he's gone in terms of defensive responsibility, chasing guys up and down court... He leads the like he leads all active players at this point in the postseason. Total map total miles traveled. Because he's checking dudes full court and taking on like the number one assigned guy. It's just like incredible what he's able to do. The fact that he has any leg lift at all to knock down a couple threes a game, let alone six or seven or whatever he's doing, is just phenomenal. He he excels in the consummate three and D role that he was signed to provide to
0: I totally agree with that. And, you know, just when we talked about – when you talked about Jordan Poole, you know, you you remember when we first started this series with Golden State, I said he was the main key factor to me because you knew what Steph Curry was going to do. You knew what Clay Thompson was going to do. I really didn't know what Andrew Wiggins was going to do because, you know, he sometimes, you know, one minute he'll drop a 27-point game, next minute he'll drop a four-point game. Uh, So, you know, I was never really thinking about him – um, you know, but the guy that really concerned me from the very beginning was Jordan Poole because, number one, he's got good height. He's long, but he puts heavy pressure on you defensively. He is always attacking that basket. He's always coming at you. And I felt like that was going to be a problem for the Mavericks different than the Utah Jazz uh, because just the way he is constantly putting pressure, like he is, he'll dribble all around court. He'll put pressure. And I think it opened, it was opening the doors for Stephen Curry, Klay Thompson, those things. But like you said, he's absolutely been murdered. And I felt like he Mm -hmm. was going to be a key factor with that pressure he puts uh, by going to the hole.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I said, he's what's breaking their back. I think a lot of these games, but the the Warriors are a difficult matchup in general. They don't stand still. They are a very blowing offense they have a lot mm-hmm. of guys that can uh, handle the ball and move around it, it's it is there's a reason they're the small ball architects and that's mm-hmm. why we said like you know the mavericks can go small ball with just about anybody but you're going up against like the small ball kings who in this do this case. <laughs> yeah and not only that with a phenomenal coach and even if steph's not at his absolute peak anymore you're still talking about a guy that is one of the best if not the best still point guard in the league. Especially on a big stage. So it's it's by no means an easy task to have to deal with. And then you talk about like the mileage, the fact that the warriors are so much deeper. When they made that run to cut a twenty nine point fourth quarter lead down to eight, they weren't even playing their main guys. They were playing like rookies. That's how like that that is that speaks to how badly the Mavericks have constructed their roster and their depth in the last several years. And that's probably you want to look at one thing you can point to Donnie Nelson and be like you you fucked right, up like that right. that would probably be it like mm-hmm. they they just don't have the depth they need to really contend um they they've got some great pieces they do i like a lot of guys they have on this roster but i also look at it and say like their depth is going to be what kills them because with how long this team has had to be running at just basically overdrive mode playing reggie and dorian like 40 minutes a night it was right. always going to catch up to them and now it's at a point where it is and mm. the warriors conversely because of their depth and because of guys coming back from injuries have about a third fewer minutes per guy than the key players for the mavericks like their counterparts basically And it's just like yeah so you have one team that's fresh and thriving and another that's like running on fumes it's not a it's not an even field anymore
0: no, not at all. They don't even have Gary Payton the third out there either. Because uh, imagine if they would have had him, that that'd have been, been a real <laughs> that'd have been a real problem if he would have been out there playing. So, uh, like I said, we'll see how this. So, what do you think, DDP? About you know, you said a second player. Um, you said you know what what would what be something that the Mavericks will be looking at. You know, in the po- uh, you know off season. season. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what's up with that?
1: Yeah. So. The idea for this segment was that we were going to roll a little bit of, like, guess who isn't, but we were going to be talking about Maverick's free agent or trade target. Now, mm. for this to have worked, I, I really would have needed uh, graphics for the guys up on the screen because you can't see the screen. They can right. see the screen. So right. uh, we, they would know essentially what we're doing and it would essentially be kind of working around that. I don't yeah. know. I
0: can see the screen. I can see the oh, screen yeah, because the I'm, lo- I'm pulled looking pulled at the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I got the screen pulled up, so I can see it. That might well, be a little delayed,
1: but I can do it. Yeah, well, I don't have the graphics prepared. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I was trying to talk around that to not really get into that. But oh, you, you kind of put bad. me on the spot. I so. exposed you. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, Exposure. That's all good. All good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so let's, <laughs> let's just talk about some of the, the targets here. So I'm going to talk about some of the key... Free agent center slash power forwards coming up because you and I seem to be in pretty good agreement that what they need is help in the middle. Like, yeah, through three games in this series, Steph Curry was single handedly out rebounding the combo of Dwight and Max. Now, Max, he right. did have eight boards last night, credit mm. for that, mm. but um, but we know what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, first name that pops up here, it's a name Maverick fans are going to be familiar with Montrez Harrell, unrestricted free agent, 28 years old. That's one name out now mm-hmm. got his flaws as well. His limitations, depending on what you're looking at, that's at least help in the front court. Mm-hmm. Another name. This one's a restricted free agent, but given kind of everything going on, I feel like it's one that can be had and would be an interesting project. Marvin Bagley, III, restricted free agent, 23 years old or taken by Sacramento ahead of Luca. Yeah. Yep.
0: Now, with him, though, here's my thing. I wonder if they could pry him because I watched him when he got traded over to uh Detroit, yep. Yep. and he had great chemistry with uh Kay Cunningham. Great chemistry. He played very, very well the second half of the season. Once he got traded, mm-hmm. he played very well with Detroit. I would like to see what he can do, uh, but I don't know. I feel like he might have found a home. He might in, have. In, He might have found a home in Detroit. I love his athletic ability, his size. He can get up. He started showing some other parts of his game when he was in Detroit. Mm -hmm. But when I was just watching him and Kay Cunningham play
1: together, I'm like, man, I don't know if he's leaving them guys. It might be a good fit there, and he might have a home. But I also Mm -hmm. know that it's a guy that played for Sacramento as the longest playoff drought in the NBA currently, more than a decade. And mm-hmm. he went to Detroit, which is a wasteland of a different kind. So, if he's good with Cunningham, I'm guessing he's going to be really good with Luca. I'm guessing. Right. Right. Just, just a thought. And it's a chance to go to a contender. Again, he's restricted. So Detroit ultimately will decide what happens. There. And mm-hmm. I don't think if you're Dallas, you're going to throw. You're not going to throw like an obscene contract. That's just not a fun well. name. That's just a fun name out there. Right. Right. Uh, speaking of Warriors, you got a uh, Kevon Looney, unrestricted, age 26. Yeah. Good size. That's, uh you know it's not a guy that he beasted on us in game three, like twenty one and ten, but that is another intriguing name out there that, if nothing else, gives you a defensive prowess you need mm-hmm. um so there's that one. I see Steven Swain talking in the chat about Mitchell Robinson or Jonathan Isaac. Those are interesting as well uh I do like
2: uh
1: i I like. The Names like they intrigue me, but they're to his point cheaper options. And Mm -hmm. you know, you're not gonna have a lot of cap space to work with, regardless. Because, especially if you're going to be keeping Brunson, right? Effectively, like if you're keeping Brunson, you already have to move, yeah. You spend a
0: whole, yeah, you spend you want to spend some cash because he doesn't, as well. You're gonna have to move
1: Dinwiddie if you're keeping Brunson.
0: Oh, definitely, because he done made himself some big money,
1: yep. So, uh, and and to Stephen's point, then, you might have to look at more a bargain bin type thing if you're looking at upgrading your front court. Uh Other names out there, just of note, you got Marquise Morris. Morris twins are a bit psycho, but he's unrestricted uh, in 32. And if you're going to take a Morris, I'm not usually looking Marquise. Marcus, uh, the better one. But Marcus is also yeah. the one who pretty much has a lot more death, blood, vendetta with Dallas from those two postseasons. Mm-hmm. Post seasons. mm-hmm. And then you got a, a player option for Bobby Portis, Milwaukee.
0: I, I I would look into that Bobby Portis thing. He's 27. Uh, uh, Bobby Portis, he's, you know, he's a, he's a tough guy. He's got toughness to him. Um, you know, he can get you some rebounds. He can score a little bit. Um, I wouldn't mind if a Bobby Portis, not trying to throw a lot of cash at him, but if you could get slide him and maybe someone else, which I doubt, but uh, that would, I would look at a Bobby Portis. I'm not going to lie. We'll look at a Bobby Portis.
1: And let's talk about a couple of these trade targets here. Again, we're going to stick in the center power forward range. Mm-hmm. A couple names that intrigue me right off the top. One of them we've talked about multiple times. Another one we have not. Christian Wood, 26. Firing mm. contract making 13 million. White Powell makes 11 million. Just make of that what you want. But you got Ooh, a combo. Christian Wood is uh, very athletic. Mm-hmm. You got a combo big who can roll or do a little pick and pop. He's not effective mm-hmm. in the ISO, but you want to pair him with Luca? Yeah. That's, Ooh, that'd be, uh, that's alleyoop Heaven. Yep. That would be a <laughs> phenomenal combo there. Uh, he's in Houston, so I don't know what the price would be, but the Rockets are kind of rebuilding, obviously, right now. So maybe it's right. still doable. Mm-hmm. The other one, Miles Turner, we've talked about before. 26 yeah. Turner is a consistent the last five years, 12 to 13 points a game, six or seven boards a night. He averaged seven rebounds a game this year. He's an elite rim protector who led the league in blocks in 2019 and in the 2020, 2021 season as well. Um, you know, he was paired with Sabonis for several years there, and right. the general feeling was that he might have a higher ceiling. Because when it, like, without playing next Sabonis, because Sabonis had such a, a little post-dominant um, mm-hmm. repertoire that it kind of crowded things a little bit for them. Anytime Sabonis was out, Wood's numbers, or sorry, uh, Turner's numbers would go up, like, pretty comfortably. The mm-hmm. bubble, for instance, when Sabonis was out, I think he had 15.8 points per game, ten point eight pounds on 59% shoot. That was in the bubble, so that's uh that's pretty nice he's also an expiring contract although he is coming off um an injury he had a stress reaction i think foot or ankle and uh he played the first 43 games and then missed some time but that's another one that is intriguing and i don't know if it helps or hurts but you have the carlisle connection so maybe there's slightly more willingness to deal or maybe if there's not really spoken Maybe if there's more bad blood there that wasn't really expressed on Carlisle's exit, maybe it makes him less likely to deal with it. I don't know. But uh, Miles Turner would be fantastic to add to this team. And I think you could honestly do it without having to like, give up too much. I don't think you're going to have to give up, like Dorian, for instance, to, to make that work. I think there's flexibility i don't know if you're if you're making a deal for turner you might have to throw in a one which means it would be like a 2024 number one i think that's the mm-hmm. next number one pick you have available no mm-hmm. so, yeah see what happens with that but that's another one uh Rashawn holmes 29 he's with the kings he signed a four-year 46 and a half million dollar deal this past offseason, but still quickly found himself on the outs with the front office and the coaching staff So his averages dropped from 14.2 points to 10.4 this year, and from 8.3 boards to 7 boards. He's set to make just 11.2 next season. Again, Dwight Powell, 11. So considering he's kind of already kind of gotten outs with their front office and their franchise, maybe that's doable. And you might be able to get a guy that, is still a nice piece now he doesn't have an outside game but athletic big who can give you double double or close numbers and give you a presence inside that you just don't have right now so intriguing that's a name that's been mentioned a lot for maverick circles as a target the last couple of years be it a trade or free agency and uh, i still think he's gettable in 29 yeah. he's not he's not young but also, again, a four-year deal, talking 32, 33. By the time he's coming off the deal, that's not terrible.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, you know, I, we, you, we've been talking about, I've been listening out the guys you've been talking about. And, you know, me and you've been definitely been talking about the Miles Turner. I just feel like he's just a really good fit as far as what what, the, what you can do athletically, um, shot blocking, um, not a super great uh, rebounder. Um, but once again, uh, let's see with him getting more extended minutes. I think the biggest thing with him is his health. He has yep. to stay healthy because he's had health issues. That's the biggest problem, the biggest red flag, if you would say, about a contract with him. Uh, but I feel like if you could get him in the building, and he was healthy. Uh, well, you need that rim protection. You need those. Uh, he can't get rebounds, he can score for you, and he can run that floor. And I just, we need somebody that can get in there and really get a little nasty and dirty and has some athletic ability with it uh, because Dallas is lacking that wholeheartedly and it's it costs them.
1: True, but it's one of those things at the same time like you need someone to rebound, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a big in this series. Like the first two series, yes, you needed that, but Turner or Holmes or whatever, that's not gonna that wouldn't help you in this series. Like if you could magically drop them on your team now, I don't think it Makes you better than Golden State. I think for Golden State's style of play, I think it would be kind of like we did in the first couple of series. How we were able to play the better bigs off the floor. I mean, Go Go Bear is a multi-time Defensive Player of the Year, and Dallas played him off the floor most of that series. Mm-hmm. Like, but do you I think don't, Golden but you State don't would think- do the same thing to this big?
0: It could be, but you don't think a Miles Turner is athletic enough where he can, you know, and you can play him in more spots, just like they were doing Looney, where you can go with the different matchups. Well, Turner can I stretch like- the
1: floor a little better too.
0: Right. So I feel like, you know, he I think that's where he adds because he can stretch that floor. He can run the floor. And then just like I said, with the matchups when they threw a loony in there, I think, you know, you, you can counteract that with the Turner in there. And mm-hmm. he's athletic. And, you know, the the Mavericks don't don't run, run, the, run the fast break anyway. No. They slow it down. So I feel like even with that, if you had a team that Golden State likes to push the ball, they could come back down court, slow the game down and really use Turner's ability, especially if you can because golden state, um, two point range uh, from two point, they're uh, shooting over 50%. I think yeah, they're shooting. 50, is, uh, yeah. That's his uh, strength. They, you know what I mean? They're shooting like 52% from the field right now. And that's a big key. Um, and they're going to the hole. So if you had that rim protection, it could definitely, I feel like it help you even in this series.
1: That was a big thing in game four as well. Dallas was attacking the rim. I loved that a couple different times. They actually did a give and go action with Luca where he would mm-hmm. do that step back, pull up for three. The, the guy would obviously fly out to contest. I think he got that with uh, who was the big that closed out on him. Might have actually been uh, Looney. Tried to jump and contest, and Luca whipped the pass to, uh, um, might have been, I don't remember who the, the guard he kicked it to, or the wing he kicked it to was, but it was a give and go. Luca slashed the basket, got it in, got a layup. Mm-hmm. Like we need more of that action. We need guys getting to the rim. And for one game, they've actually been able to do that. I think that's just where fatigue comes into play. Another yep. interesting uh, piece, this is actually not front court player, but it's just an interesting one. We talk about this team, and if you got Hardaway Jr. coming back, then this might not be as big of a deal, but I, I feel like if Dallas is going to do something that there's a potential that Hardaway might get moved, he's been talked about, obviously, at this deadline as whether or not he was going to get moved. Uh, another interesting name is a, a veteran small forward, Bohan Bogdanovich, the Jazz. Jazz are pretty mm-hmm. likely to blow it up. You're talking about a three-point marksman who can face the floor and convert difficult shots. It would give you, I, I think, an improvement even in your three-point shooting. The downside is I think it would be adding yet another quote-unquote third option. you are talking about finding another one or two.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's just another name out there that intrigued me a little bit um so those are the those are the key guys there a lot of the wish lists you can call it is front court related i think in dallas's case right now as it stands today they have three guys that can handle the ball and create i think we've seen the highs and lows of spencer Dinwiddie, and the highs are breathtaking the lows are breathtaking but for the wrong reasons like mm-hmm. We, we can't really put a lot of faith in uh, Spencer Dinwiddie creating that way. Not he, at all. He might have some of those games where he will wake up and actually do something, and then he can be a huge factor in that. Game seven in Phoenix, for instance, but he's not, he doesn't have the consistency. Jalen, he's had a couple clunkers in this postseason, but Jalen's actually been incredibly consistent. And Luca is gonna pretty much do what Luca does for the most part. Now the efficiency might be a little up and down with Luca at times, but Jalen's had some really strong performances. My question with Jalen is always: Is he going to be able to consistently, um, you know, play at that level? I, I think his best games you saw obviously were against the Jazz, which were the most defensively starved team I think in the postseason, at least in the West and he was able to feast, and he had a high usage rate those first three games because Luca was out, and especially his 40-point game, it was obscene, the, um, the usage rate he was able to have in that game, and the Jazz just had nothing that could stop him, so he was able to thrive. But I, don't, I still have doubts about whether or not he fits the bill long-term, which rolls into the next segment. This is a hill I am prepared to die on here. So the Mavericks, obviously, they're going to have to make a big decision whether or not they're going to get a new deal for Jalen Brunson. He's probably going to be looking at making 20 million plus a year. like Minimal. <laughs> dude, dude, we were saying like literally in the Utah series before it was even over, he might be making that. And now they're in the West finals and he's continued to largely be like mm-hmm. the first two games in Phoenix, not good not good. Right. But then he settled down. Good again. And this series he's been a little up and down, but he's still been consistent. He's had a 30-point game in this series. Uh what did he have last game? I think he still had like 21. I think he had 20
0: but. like 20 points, I think. I think he still had like 20
1: something points in that game, 20. Yeah. Yeah, so he's absolutely been consistent and he's been from a production standpoint. I know he had 15. 15 Off points 15. last game, yeah. Uh, He's been productive and largely consistent. Had some clunkers, but my question with Brunson is whether or not he is your number two. Like, I, I just don't think this roster has a true number two. It, I don't see it. Like, I want to see it. I want to, like, I appreciate so much how much of a step forward Brunson has taken because I've been very critical in the past couple of years of Brunson specifically, like saying, I think he's close to his ceiling. I don't think he's going to be able to keep stepping forward. He's proven me wrong to this point, but I still look at it and say, if you want to have a tried and true number two option, you need to have a guy that's a borderline all. And Jalen, he's, he's had a breakout year, but there was never any indication that he was even close to any sort of all-star caliber player. People started to know who he is in the playoffs because he shined while Luka was out, and then the Mavericks ran to the Western Conference Finals. But I don't see him being a potential all-star caliber player, and I still have questions about whether or not he can carry a team. Like We talked about Devin Booker, remember? Like uh, About how if Phoenix isn't running smoothly, if Paul is not in his game, whether he's out or he's injured, Devin Booker can't really put a team on his back and carry him. I think Jalen was able to do that against Utah because Utah is a terrible defensive team and he had all the usage in the world.
0: Right. And Luca was out. And then you just look at your main score was out, but
1: it was a series. It's not
0: a season. So in a series, you can play out of your mind but we're talking about a whole season and he's just not that type of guy. I mean, I agree with you with that. I like, I like Brunson. I like his game, uh, but he's not a guy that you're looking at as a second option. That's just going to destroy you. If Luca's not on, Uh, that's why I don't look at Brunson like that. I look at him as a a good player. Um, I I understand what you're talking about with the ceiling, because when you look at him play, you're like, well, How much better is he going to be when you watch him? Like when I watch him right now, like, is this a ceiling? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When you watch him, like, and right. it's no dis and it's no disrespect to Jalen Brunson. No, it's he, just he's what a, you really is.
1: Quality, quality third option. I think on a good night, he can be a number two option, but mm-hmm. I'm talking about a tried and true every okay, night. Right. You can a count dog on him. Number two
2: that. every and, night.
1: And, you know, going into the, the playoffs, he had never had three straight games of 20 points. Like, mean. Mm-hmm at least 20 points in three straight games against the jazz he did it in the first i guess he did the entire series all six games like Mm -hmm. that's to say he got hot he's still a guy who when the team was struggling through basically the holiday season this year Mm -hmm. he hadn't consistently found his way into the starting lineup the team was racked with health and safety protocols signing guys off the streets isaiah thomas started a game for the mavericks this year Mm -hmm. like They, Brandon Knight, like they were completely at the end of their line and he couldn't find consistency in that. And it was only after kind of all that settled that he was able to establish himself and take that next step. Now, again, he's thrived. He's a very good player. He deserves the money he's going to get, however much he's going to get. And in spite of these concerns I'm raising, I want to be clear about something. I still think Dallas needs to keep him. If they can find a way to do it, I think they need to keep him. It's going to complicate things. But I also know that if I gotta pick between him and Dinwiddie, it's not a question. Dinwiddie's highs are oh, no higher, no. his lows yeah. are way more common and they're way lower at this point. So yeah, it's, this team is flush with number three options. Cause I would say like Tim Hardaway Jr. comes back from his broken foot. There's yet another number three option, another quality number three option. Mm -hmm. So you have Brunson that I think is a a top tier number three, borderline number two on a good night. Um, Dan Whitty is a guy who a lot of times will be either the third guy or even a sixth man. Uh, And then you have Hardaway. You got basically three guys who fit that mold. And it's like, you just need one number two (laughs) on this team. So it's like, you can't pay Brunson the absorbent money that he's due going to be due and also continue to pay what dinwiddie's making from that deal washington gave him and that he had to take on that's why i said if you're keeping brunson you're gonna have to find some some sort of financial gymnastics to move on from dinwiddie and maybe honestly that's a little easier just because he has had some great moments especially his 23 games regular season with the mavericks this Mm -hmm. year but i don't know uh i i feel like you're gonna to have to do that. And if I gotta pick one of those two, I'm picking Brunson, but I'm also still looking and saying to myself, This is not the number two guy I'm looking for. I'm keeping him because he's tight with Luca, because he's earned it, and because he's a homegrown kid we like and who can be clutch for us. He can have those jet vibes for you. And I've talked about that a little bit before. You know, he's he wears thirteen because his favorite player growing up was Steve Nash. But I said just like Jason Terry kind of came into Dallas on the heels of Nash leaving, kind of the inverse 13 to 31, um, sort of the anti-Steve Nash, I guess, in that way. This is sort of Brunson now having the ability to continue in that similar sort of role as that wingman to Luca. I I see the parallels there with Dirk and Nash, and then Luca and Brunson. But you're going to have to also accept that just because he's the wingman doesn't mean that he's the tried and true number two scorer, consistent option.
0: Hey, I mean, I'll I feel you with that. and Let's see what happens uh, because it's going to be interesting because Dallas needs to add something in this offseason if they want to continue to go to that next level and not stand pat where they're at or feel satisfied where at the, because they made it to the Western Conference Finals,
1: period. Yep. yep. So, yeah, they've, uh, they've got their work cut out for them on that. But at the same time, I am curious to see how this new front office manages things. I think that first offseason, they were pretty hamstrung as far as what they could really do. And from a financial standpoint, they still are. But I also think that now they have some goodwill and some people looking at them more than they had before because it would have been 11 years without a playoff series win. Now you get nine playoff games won. You're in the Western Conference Finals, seven games away from championship. People are going to take a little bit of note. People are going to actually put some respect on your name when they actually see that you want to sign them. And I think as well, uh, Nico's professed uh, relationship with all these guys from all his years working was um, that you might actually have something come about from that. Where it doesn't, I'm not saying it has to be like a top tier guy, but I think that can help sway someone where you can add another quality piece that frankly this team just oh and you know to be clear it's like some people are (laughs) gonna look at it and say like well hey you're talking about adding a number two and then all those free agents or trade targets you talked about earlier none of them are really a proper number two yes you've got me there (laughs) you've got me there i'm more looking at ways to just improve the team i don't know what the the number two option is maybe if you're swinging a trade maybe that opens the door to do something like that But I think for the most part, you're probably looking at retooling some form of this roster. That's seventy-five to eighty percent. Yeah, seventy-five to eighty percent of what it is now. But you're gonna have to retool like some of the other parts, like Bertan's. um, You know, you're gonna probably hang on to Maxi a little longer, uh, although I I think he's overstretched in his role for what they need from him. And uh, you're gonna have to find out some stuff like. Josh Green might be a decent player for them in time, but right now he cannot be on, the bar. he cannot be in your rotation. And like in two minutes last night, he was a minus nine.
2: Mm.
1: Like you can't do it. <laughs> you got to find a way to fill out some of these other gaps in your roster. And one of the most glaring to me is your front.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we know it's on, it's been the front court, and it's been for a while. And until that issue gets really – I mean, even with KP, we knew the issues that was going on. They were still having a rebounding issues, things yep. of that nature. Uh, so, it's been a glaring need, and hopefully it'll get, uh, you know, fi- figured out soon uh, because if they can get that one kind of inside kind of presence uh, that's really consistent, I, I think it can really help this Mavericks to continue to tra- con- ascend in the mm-hmm. West.
1: Yeah, just give him a rim protector uh, who can rebound a little bit and stay healthy. You give us yeah. that, and we got it. The KP there experiment mainly failed just because of health. Like, mm-hmm. Even though he wasn't ever able to evolve into the three-point shooter they needed, other than bubble KP, which was all of like nine games, uh, right. even though he never got to do that, when he was healthy and he was able to provide a little bit of rebounding and a little bit of defense, it was fine. It worked. But health is key, which is why Turner might still be a question mark.
2: Mm-hmm. For sure.
1: Let's see. Let's see. Are we ready to roll into a little bit of Cowboy Six Shooter?
2: Let's do it.
1: All right. So I'm going to load up some Cowboy Six Shooter here. We're going to take a look at. Some different topics here. This is a uh, rapid fire. We had about 60 to 90 seconds per topic here. So let me actually pull up the stopwatch. All right. All right. So got feeling on these, uh, whatever quick assessment analysis you got for it. Let's roll with it. Okay. So first and foremost is Sam Williams, a sleeper pick worthy of keeping an eye on for defensive rookie of the year. Yes or no? No. No. All right. Uh, let's see. Pro, uh, uh, pro Football Focus stated that Hulbert could be a serious deal for the Cowboys in the 2022 draft. Are you buying what he's selling?
2: Uh...
0: Buying him as Tolbert being a sleeper for the team. Yes, I'm definitely buying all that. I think he can definitely add to the team. I think he's uh, especially with uh, Michael Gallup being out uh, for a significant amount of time. James Washington, we already seen he's already in a boot. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> it, it, they're going to and I feel like they're going to feed him and really give him the kind of confidence to see if he can be at number two right now.
1: OK, uh, if the Cowboys are looking at it, there are rumors, obviously, that Robert Quinn could potentially be available again for a trade. If that's the case, are you considering calling the Bears, or has that ship sailed?
0: Um, that ship sailed to me. I like Robert Quinn. I actually I love Robert Quinn, but I just feel like you got Sam Williams. You brought in Dante Fowler. You got Dorance Armstrong Jr., who you re-signed. Uh, I feel like you got to roll with it and, and 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 see what you got here in this. And Sam Williams is a second-round pick. He's got to play. I feel like it would only stop the progress. All
1: right. Uh, let's see, let's try and project Micah Parson's second season is the star pass rusher ready to make a run at defensive player of the year.
0: Definitely. He's going this year is going to even be more dominant to me. Uh, I listened to Brian brought today. They said he was a, not exclusively, but they were saying he was playing more defensive end than he was playing linebacker. And that's, what's being in the air in Cowboys land about getting him brushing the passer. Um, I hope they continue to just move him around and get matchups. But I definitely feel like he's going to be considered a defensive player of the year. I don't know if he gets the same sacks, but he's going to be a better all-around player.
1: What did he end up with in sacks? 11?
0: 13, I
1: 13, believe. 13? Okay. Yeah. Um. So do you think he said you don't know if he ends up with the same number of sacks? Yeah, um, I don't, I don't do know. Do you if think double digit is the- at least safe? Oh, yeah, he's predict. definitely
0: going to get I definitely think he's getting double digits. Uh, But like I said, he may be a better all-around player, and it may not say because we've seen guys dip in sacks, but still look at them as how dominant they were. And I feel like he's just going to be a dominant, even more dominant player this year because he came in, DDP, um, in 2021 and missed all 2020, and look what he did.
1: Yeah, very true. In college. People are still trying to sell us on buying stock in Ezekiel Elliott at this point. Are we all mad?
0: No, you can't be mad at that. I mean, i No mad isn't crazy. Uh, uh, no, we're not crazy. Okay. Uh, I, we're not going to sit there and say Ezekiel Elliott is that same player. But if you look at the backs across the NFL at his age, Ezekiel Elliott is still a very quality back. He's not the same guy, but that's why you have a Tony Pollard. Use that two-back system. Uh, start off with a Zika Elliott. But for me to sit there and say Ezekiel Elliott is washed up, that's not a fact to me. That, that I don't agree with that at all.
1: I don't know if I'd go as far as washed up, but I definitely feel like at this point for what he's getting paid, the production feels like a progress stopper for Pollard. It feels like something where we should be utilizing Pollard more, and especially last year if Zeke was playing with a torn PCL it made no sense why he was still getting the lion's share of carries and we I using Pollard more, but that comes yeah. down to the, the coaching staff and Ellen Moore and everything. So that's probably a different discussion, but there is some part of it where it's just insisting He's got to be the guy.
0: Yeah, he's probably insisting you got to be the guy. But in my opinion, Tony Pollard's not a 20 carry guy. As much as I like Tony Pollard, I don't feel like he's a 20 carry guy. I don't feel like he'll start in the league anywhere else and be a starter and getting 20 carries. I don't believe that. I feel like he's more of an explosive type player. And I feel like they need to use his skill set. Just because he's playing running back doesn't mean you have to feed him the ball and make him be the starter and Ezekiel go to the bench. It's better when they have Ezekiel, who's a bruising-type running back, beat up that defense, and then when you want to hit a home run, that's what Tony Pollard offers. Get him in space because that's where he's good at. And I feel like that's what they need to continue to do. If they throw him out in the slot, get him out in the space in the backfield, do the two-backfield 20 personnel. I mean, do those type of things, but he's got to get the ball a little bit more um, because it helps your offense.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, hit him with the counterpunch. Finally, if we got to rank the NFC East skill positions, how would we stack that up? Got to say, like, the best combination of receivers, running backs, quarterback.
0: Okay. Ooh. uh, Receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. Uh, Who would be number one? Mm, I'm going to say Dallas.
1: Yeah, still taking down, uh, even,
0: even with the receiver core shakeup? Even with the receiver core shakeup, I know the the core is, um, you know, quote-unquote, maybe better on paper over there in Philly, but our quarterback is better, and I feel like our running backs are better. So that's why I feel like if you look at all three, um, and C.D. Lamb, we'll see if he's going to take that next step. He said he is. I feel like he can definitely, um, you know, get the lion's share of the, the work this year, and uh, we can see if he can be dominant.
1: Speaking of C.D. Lamb now, as we move into our fourth topic here. I'm going to let you run with this, but uh, Mm -hmm. the topic is C.D. Lamb, the guy in Dallas. The Cowboys might not be so sure. Talk talk to me about that. What you got?
0: Well, you know, we uh, did a show yesterday, uh, The Final War. Shout out to my guys, Boss Cowboys, Law Nation, and OC. Um, And this was an interview with Bobby Belt shout out to Bobby belt. I know Bobby well. Um, and I know he comes with accurate information and, uh, he was talking about, um, you know, obviously Amari Cooper is not here any longer. And, and he was the guy. And, you know, when they drafted CD lamb, they were thinking he was going to eventually take over and be that guy. Well, uh, they're saying that in Cowboys, uh, land, uh, when they drafted CD lamb, they had these expectations. And since he's played and been there these two years, he hasn't had a bad career at all. He's had good numbers. Right. But they feel like they're saying they don't know if he has enough alpha energy. They don't know if he can take over those games. Um, you know, they wanted, they don't know. Um, do they, They're saying that they don't think he's the guy that they drafted a couple of years ago from the expectations that they had. Hmm. And this is the year that they really need to see it. So, like I said, there's pressure and to me the pressure more pressure is because you're always going to have fan pressure but when people in the building are saying we don't know if you're the guy and we need to see if this, this is the year because if you don't do it this year we're going to probably move on from you and we're probably going to draft somebody else or see what jalen tober can do so the cowboys are always thinking ahead even when they got amari cooper that's why they got a cd lamb you know now they got a cd lamb you got jalen tober who knows what happens Uh, but this is the pressure that he's going to have to do because he's going to have to step up and be that guy. I want him to step up, uh, but I still need to see if he's going to be dominant because he was shielded with Amari Cooper and other things, and now he's going to see different type of coverages. Um, Gallup is going to be out. You got a rookie. James Washington hasn't been the guy, so all eyes is going to be on him. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this, to me, is the third year um, when you you really see what a player does. A third-year receiver, and C.D. Lamb, Dak Prescott, they already got rapport. This should be a dominant year, so he should basically. This should be the year that he proves the naysayers wrong, or we say, eh, he's good, but eh, yeah. we don't know no, if he's dead as Brian
1: eighty eight like that good. <laughs> that's fair. So, I, if I if I had to look for, even dating back to C.D.'s time at Oklahoma, if I had to find uh, a potential, I don't know if you'd say flaw or fault. I I think there is some question about that killer instinct, if that's what Mm -hmm. you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I think he's definitely a guy who, he gets rolling, he'll gladly snatch your soul from you. He'll gladly, you know, haul in a bunch of catches, break off these ridiculous touchdown runs. But he's a guy who, I think if he's not rolling, like if he's not getting looks or targets or anything like that, he does kind of fall into just a little bit of, I don't know if complacency is the right word, but that edge wears down a little bit where it's kind of like, he's not looking to kill you every single time that he's running a route. He's more just like going through the motion, doing what he's got to do. So he
0: he may sulk a little bit. And when we talk about with the they maybe say alpha energy, Mm -hmm. like with Dez Bryant or them guys, you know,
1: when they didn't get the ball, he would be,
0: you feel what i'm saying ball because <laughs> we we don't because there's wanted that ball there's come off the sideline i want the ball you know what i mean now, CD um, does i does want I, it in big moments I, the... yeah i i have seen and i've heard him but he's gonna have to be <laughs> yeah i don't know he's gonna have to be a whole different type of person player yeah. this year really yeah. he, like this is a critical year for him
1: i agree he's shown it in flashes the obviously the walkout off in new england uh before Amari Cooper makes the game-winning catch on that Monday night game in Minnesota, he's the one calling for it. He's, like, joking, like, hey, sure we don't want to run it this way instead, where the route would be going to him instead? Like, Mm -hmm. he wants it in those moments, so that's something, at least, uh, that, you know, to Cooper's case, the people point to, like, the play-in game, basically, at Philadelphia a couple years ago where he was kind of just fine with coming off the field with the season essentially hanging on the line as they were in the red zone, so... If they're looking for that mentality, I think CD's got it, but I think he needs it all the time and not just something where he turns it on. He needs to be right. just as willing in the middle of the second quarter to try and completely snatch your soul. He needs to be the man this year. Like he needs to be the man this <laughs> year. Period. Cool. Cool. So uh, as we move into our wrap up here, I figure we can start with some Q and a roll through some of these questions we got in the chat. Mm. And uh, then we can kind of talk a little bit about essentially brighter future Mavs or Cowboys and how quickly did that flip on its head? Mm. Uh, So let's see. Just rolling through the chat feed here. Uh, I see Ivan asking a question first. I know he had a follow-up later on, but let me see. He was first asking about possibly getting rid of M. Hardaway and Powell to free up some cash to sign Brunson. I mean, moving on, you can move on from Hardaway's contract. I think he is going to be a little harder to move, maybe coming off the foot, because the particular type of injury he had, the foot, can be a problematic one that comes up again. I think it's the same thing that Kevin Durant had several years ago when he was still with the Thunder. He tried coming back, played a couple games, and then he got another surgery mm-hmm. all the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a Jones fracture. Um, maybe I'm mistaken on. Ways, but I think it's the same thing Durant had, in which case that might make it harder to move on from him. As for moving on from Powell, I have no problem with what Powell brings to the team. He's a consummate pro, never complains. He's liked by his teammates. I get that. I also know that $11 million is a lot of money for a guy who, in his playoff career, in like 20-something playoff games played, averages like 12 minutes a and right. has stat lines like four and one or four and two. Like the regular season is very different from the postseason. He's a guy in the regular season who averages twenty something minutes a night, and then in the postseason averages like eleven or twelve minutes. It, and it's like the same stat line he puts up. It's maddening. So I am. He has
0: eight rebounds in his playoffs.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm fine <laughs> with I'm fine with moving uh, from that. He, credit to him coming back from the Achilles. He had a great year very underrated. Um, gets a lot of hate. And I think a lot of it is just the contract. I think that's why people are mad. The contract Mm -hmm. and how Carlisle would give him all the opportunity. So could you create some space with those two moving on to sign JB? Sure. But how easy would that be? I I don't know. How easy? It ain't going to be easy. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. Who on the roster would Indiana actually take? or miles turner asks one Borda. uh i think you would be packaging something around for turner you're gonna probably have to ship a number one pick and you're probably going to have to chip in like josh green um i don't know if you could throw in Breton's or something but you might have to do that just to make cash work right because you got 13 million for turner i think and uh Green's obviously a rookie, so he's not making near that. Oh, not a rookie. He's a second-year player. He's not making near that, though. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, he might be able to do something like that. I've seen a couple different things pitched out there, and honestly, nothing has been too crazy on what Dallas would have to give up. You've got some where they're throwing out like, oh, Dorian. I'm not moving on from Dorian. Not because, right? Especially with right. how this team is constructed, you need all the three and D guys you can get. You finally have two tried and true three and D guys. You're not moving on from either of them, come hell mm-hmm. or high water. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm looking. There, uh, am I keeping Brunson as Luca's sidekick long term, or do I try and trade him? I think at this point you you're keeping him. Um, if he's willing to stay, and as long as, I mean, now is it possible that a sign and trade does occur? Yes, but that's only if can't reach a a deal with Brunson and somebody offers him a max and he's like, I want the max. (laughs) Right. You can't can't pay Brunson. Right. Right. So if something like that happens and it's a, it's a crossroad, you can't get across then. Yeah. Okay, fine. Then you'll sign and trade and you'll try and make something work. But I really think given his relationship with the team and the opportunity that finally presented itself with this new coaching staff and everything, I think he's going to want to stay. And I think as long as you're giving him something in that 20, I had to go for 25 uh, million range. Then I think you can work something out, but it's going to be hard, but I think he's too close with Luke. I think if you move on from him and I understand it's a business, Dirk had to watch Nash walk, right? But it's not the same. Nash was 30 with back problems. Cuban legitimately thought he was already done and walk. He was very, very wrong, but Brunson's not the same Brunson has not had health issues and he's a guy that even having played all four years in college you're talking about a guy that's like 26 27 he's in his absolute prime
2: Mm
1: -hmm. so yeah uh, I'm keeping him long term Uh... harder when there's not Ivan actually tagged me I saw his question I'll I'll jump to his next tag me in a question guys uh, at the Dallas prospect. If you want it to highlight for me, for me to actually make sure I see it. Uh, Ivan asks, he says, you seem to care about basketball and American football. Have you ever discussed other sports like baseball, soccer, for instance? Uh, Do you have a baseball team in Dallas? Basically Texas Rangers, but do I cover other sports? No, honestly, I don't. I've covered college football here and there. I've even covered a little bit of pro wrestling. Just." For shits and giggles but mm-hmm. uh i used to be a huge wrestling fan back when i was younger but um yeah no i don't i don't follow soccer uh or other sports i was pretty into ranger baseball for about a three-year window when they had the two back-to-back world series run and uh yeah that's their game six and st louis is about as bad for me as game what was it game six in miami or no, game six in Dallas against Miami in 2006. Not as bad as that, but at least the Miami one got redeemed five years later. The Rangers are still waiting. Right. And, uh, I'm not a diehard enough fan to wait with them and suffer. Mm. I, I waited like two years and was like, oh, so we're done with this? All right.
0: Yes,
1: yeah, right. call, call me <laughs> get good again. Exactly. I'm still waiting. But uh, I got into the Stars. I did a couple Stars videos, actually, uh, when they made their Stanley Cup run two seasons ago now. So,
0: yeah, I like hockey during the playoffs. I like soccer with the World Cup Mm -hmm. and uh, with baseball. I like it during the playoffs as well. Uh, During the regular season is just too long with me for baseball. Soccer is exciting, but I I almost like I got to know the players to really get into it. And when I don't know the players, it frustrates me when I'm watching them. Uh, But soccer is a sport I definitely like to watch, but I don't know the players and things of that nature. So it does frustrate me. So it's hard for me to get into um, so that's the kind of me with that. I like all sports, but you know, football and uh, basketball are dominant sports out here in America, especially USA. That's what goes on. Um, and so that's what I was kind of geared to, and that's what I kind of just roll with.
1: Yeah. Uh, Potato Buff asks a good question, which is not a sentence. I thought I would say today. Yeah. Um, says, would you consider a sign and trade for Brunson for Turner? It would be a sign and trade Ooh. both ways. Here's the thing: Ooh. I don't think Brunson wants it because who put him on the leash, and who's the right. head coach in India? Right, 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 right. I, I don't see Great it. point. I, I, yeah, don't, I don't see that. I don't yeah. see Rick. All, Maybe he, Rick yeah. now looks at it and says, "Like, well, hell, what else do I have?" And look, Brunson, Brunson don't want to go wrong, back to that. But Brunson I don't, don't think go Brunson back to will that. do it. Rick is too nah. old school. He's too mm-hmm. controlling. Rick, nope. Rick butted heads with every point guard he ever had really, in general, but Dallas especially. Like, Mm -hmm. the year before Dallas won it all, he was butting heads with Kidd at the start of the year. Because he wouldn't even let Jason Kidd, who was already at that point, a future Hall of Famer, take the reins like Carlisle wanted to be more controlling and calling every play. And Kidd was like, no, dude. This is what I am. I am the floor general. I am the consummate floor general. Let me feel out the game and, like, handle the flow of things. Obviously the Rondo thing went the way it did. And a lot of that was him clashing with Rick, not saying it was undeserved and all of that, but Rick clashes. The I honestly feel like Dennis Smith Jr.'s trajectory, it might not have ever worked for Dennis, but I feel like it went into a nosedive way earlier than it should have in part because of Rick. Um, I think Rick got, got him in his head and then, was trying to basically turn him into something he wasn't. He was trying to basically make him a three and D secondary player, like a role player. And when Dennis didn't immediately excel at that despite full effort, he basically just was like, nah, it's not gonna work. Get rid of him. Basically said at the all-star break, the first year he was trying that. Like, nah I'm done with this. Right. So I think he kind of ruined Dennis Smith, which I hate, but and then obviously Luca. He
0: did ruin him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: And then obviously Luca, like even when he was forced to give up the reins a little bit to Luca, they still clashed, they still butted heads all throughout the year. You could see it on the sidelines, you could see it in the playoffs, regular season, whatever. They bickered, they argued. You don't see that like at all with Luca and Kid. Like to kid's mm-hmm. credit, he has really got a good feel on kind of managing Luca, knowing how to push the right buttons. When he wants to be critical of him, he does it in a way that doesn't come off as standoffish and irk Luca, at least not that we see publicly or in press conferences. So kudos there, but yeah, Carlisle and point guards don't mix. Brunson's not going to want to go back to that. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's all the actual questions. Yeah. A bunch of crosstalk, but I don't see a lot of actually questions directed at us. This haven't already addressed. So, yeah it's uh it's going to be interesting but now uh so we got the mavericks and the cowboys here there's been an interesting kind of flip i feel like let me know what you think there's been an interesting sort of flip though from if you literally rewind it back just a few months i feel like they're in opposite positions where we feel like the mavericks are spiraling and the cowboys are rising we'd say like the cowboys window is brighter like open wide and brighter than ever they're heading into the playoffs and they've got all this momentum, the offense and the defense. Like, we're talking about them being Super Bowl contenders, a legitimate uh, contender at that. And the Mavericks around December 23rd, that around 16 and 18 was their record. AP, again, having missed a lot of time, beat up. The team ravaged by health and safety protocols. Luca out of shape, dealing with an ankle injury. Like, not a good combination. And yet you flash forward four months and it feels like they're in completely different places now. What do you think?
0: Uh, Definitely in different places. And I think coaching is huge. I mean, we always talk about coaching, right? DDP. When we had Jason Garrett at the helm, I felt like coaching was one of the bigger reasons uh, that uh, we got held down. We, we've had talent. Dallas has had mad talent. Dallas had great talent last year, but what Mm -hmm. happened? not just the talent, let us down, but the coaching, let us down. And I feel like one of the biggest differences right now with the Mavericks and the flip is coaching. Because yeah. when you look at the team uh, with the Mavericks, they don't have the a- outstanding roster out there. They don't have the dynamic. We just talked about needing a number two, mm-hmm. you understand what I'm saying? And it's a lot of role players. Um, so when you look at it um, from my perspective, Coaching is, is, to me right now, is the key is why there's the role reversal and the flip. Um, now, maybe talent-wise, you would say the trajectory is higher for the Cowboys, right? But with the things that continue to go on and the lack of coaching and the, and the um, misfalls or underachieving, mm-hmm. I'm going to say uh, Dallas's uh, arrow, Mavericks, is higher just because if they get – we talked about another player um, that number that strong number two, you really feel good about heading into the season next year and uh going right back to where you left off
1: I, yeah, I, I really do think so. Like the West is brutal all the time, but I do feel like there might be something there with this team. I think as long as you have a healthy Luca and i'm I'm surprised to say this, but i'll I'll say it because I, I think at this point it's pretty indisputable that I was wrong about it. Uh, I think. As, long as you have Luca and Jason Kidd, and you have Luca's health, I think you're going to at least be in position to be like in the mix. Like, you got to have general health, but it's like you got those two guys, you can at least kind of like you had for Dirk for all those years. At the very least, you know, all right, we're going to be a playoff team, and we're going to be tough, we're going to be a tough out, if you will. And if you get those years where you have the right pieces in place, you can be a team that makes a deep run. I think it's absolutely possible with uh, with those two key parts, the coach and the star. That's like the two most important things. And if you can add to that another basically star-caliber player, then you've got something. The KP mm-hmm. experiment failed, put a lot of eggs in that basket really prematurely. And uh, you know, as much as I want to keep Brunson, your next star, I just think that's another... I think that's another uh, borderline star and there's nice where he can do it and he can be that part. But I just have a hard time seeing this team as like a championship team, like winning the title and Brunson being the second best guy on that team. I feel like more than likely he's the third guy.
0: And that's Okay. And, and I, hey, I agree with that. That's that's OK. If you got him as a third option, the way he's playing right now, you feel really good about that, because if you get that strong second option where it's helping Luca and then you got Brunson in the cut as the third guy. Yes. Now you feel like you can compete for the championship. Now you can feel like you can compete every single year and you'll be knocking at the door. Yeah. Um, and that's why we talk about the arrow is different, in my opinion, um, because now you have a coach. And Jason Kidd, where we're looking at it like we like the vibe with him and Luca. He's doing the he's doing it right, and just as you said, as long as you kind of got him right now, vibing with Luca, you're good. You can feel like you can compete with that if you just add, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And coaching makes a huge difference no matter what what sport it is. Right,
1: and there's nothing wrong with Jalen being the third guy, like you said. Nothing wrong at all. I mean, consider this: we talk in wrestling. Hulk Hogan was the third man for the NWO. Yeah. That's a pretty it's strong number
0: three. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being a third guy. Yeah,
1: Chris, He's the third I mean, man. Chris, it's Hogan. Chris
0: Bosch. Chris Bosch was looked at as the third guy over there when they all kind of hooked up. Yep. But Chris Bosch was a key factor, though. Yep.
1: Absolutely. So. so yeah. Well, I think that. And uh, what? Uh, hey, hey. And
0: what else did I say before we end off of here? The big three, they don't be saying a big two, right? They always be saying a yeah. big
1: three. Yeah. Now we're in like an era of big threes. Although I would mm-hmm. say not a lot of big threes really are around at this point. kind of right. devolved into a lot of like two superstar pairings. Like the last team that tried that was Brooklyn and look what happened. They traded harder than getting. Now they're saying they're probably not keeping Kyrie and Durant's probably gone too. You want to talk yeah, about well. a franchise that bet the house and lost in record time yeah Lord. but you know
0: what the new jersey nets are always bet wrong because they, they bet on paul pierce and they went they bet on kevin garnett and that failed in their faces too so yep. they a big time gamble. i give them this they gamble they want it and they gamble but they got to be smart too
1: uh all right I, I think i have the solution here i think they need a spencer Dinwiddie reunion. that's yeah, what they get them need. all back over there well, we'll take kevin durant over. it's fine
0: yeah (laughs) yeah it would definitely make that work right now he
1: don't he don't don't want him and luca oh my god that would be crazy yeah he don't want to be be there anyway apparently without Kyrie, so why not of course he hates luke uh he hates uh our cubans so (laughs) yeah that's the downside of having an owner who won't shut up something
2: um
1: but yeah but we'll see you want to you want to bring this thing home
0: yeah, man. Love. Well, you know what? We appreciate everybody jumping in the chat. I had a good little crowd. Um, you know, we're going to be back next week for part six, episode six of positively relentless. And we got to get this win, DDP. We got to be positive positively relentless and get this W jump at the third three and two, because you never know how it's going to go. And miracles, can happen. We've seen it before, dog. We've seen it in baseball with the Red Sox. We've seen it in NBA with them Cavs. It mm-hmm. can happen again. And I'm just gonna jump out there and say, Let's get it, man. So for my guy, DDP big game James, positively relentless. Oh my gosh, uh Dallas prospect. We'll be talking to you
2: soon. We out. Peace. Peace. And let me find the button.